1: In America, there are six living generations, which are six fairly distinct groups of people. Members of a generation are shaped by their time and history. As a generalization, each generation has different likes, dislikes, and attributes. They have had collective experiences and events as they aged, and therefore have similar ideals, beliefs, behaviors, and motivational buttons." whether at a family gathering or in the workplace how do you manage intergenerational groups with conflicting worth <laughs> oh my god <laughs> whether at a family gathering or in the workplace how do you manage intergenerational groups with conflicting work ethics dissimilar values, and idiosyncratic styles. My guest, Mike Brooks, founder of X Bridge, has spent years understanding the vital role each generation plays in the arc of history and how all those influencers affect workforce stability at a national level, along with how it affects you today, the business owner. So welcome, Mike.
2: Thanks for having me, Sherry. I'm uh, very excited to talk about the generations and how they are are going to affect businesses today and going forward, and particularly with what we're now entering, the talent war.
1: Let's talk about those different generations so we kind of lay the foundation for the rest of the show. So obviously, many of us are familiar with the term baby boomer. I'm a baby boomer, but... There's all those behind me and those before me.
2: (laughs) Right, right. Yeah, in the press today, you you typically hear uh, about the baby boomers, and you hear a lot about the millennials. Uh, And then, uh, so let's back up a little bit. So the oldest living generation right now is the GI generation. They're the ones who fought World War II. Uh, and and uh, by and large, they're, they're out of the workplace, and we just owe them a debt of gratitude for what they did for our country. Um, the oldest generation that's actually in the workplace right now is what's referred to as the silent generation. Part of the reason they're called the silent generation is because they grew up during the Depression and World War II, and children were to be seen and not heard because adults had very serious things that they were dealing with. And so that was really that kind of really um, uh, permeates that generation and, and really influences them through the rest of their lives having grown up during those times. The generation next comes is the are the boomers your generation and boomers are essentially born kind of 1943 through 1960 61 depending on who you follow and uh, they were the big the the, py, the, the pig and the Python uh, the everything was catered to the boomers because they were the big uh, the big generation the um, marketers wanted their dollars eventually still do yes oh yeah oh absolutely <laughs> and so uh, behind behind that is uh, Gen X my generation I was born in 1960 So I'm on the leading edge of of Gen X. And we were the ones who came behind the boomers and nothing was designed for us or we were thought about. We were the latchkey kids uh, and um, uh, really kind of grew up um, uh, very independent. We're a very pragmatic uh, generation. And so that's kind of 1962, 63 through 1980. And that's when the millennials start is is 1980 up to about 2002. Uh, And there's really there's kind of a bifurcation even within that. That generation, the ones before 1990, uh, born before 1990, um, didn't really grow up as, with technology and, and the internet, certainly as pervasive as that second half of that generation. And so there, there's even some differences within that generation. So, um, and then uh, the, the last generation, uh, the, the youngest one, is still kind of getting its name, but uh, generally it's called a homelander. Uh, and because they've grown up with homeland security uh, all their life after 9 11 and that sort of thing. So they they have a lot of fear. Uh, well, they, yeah, they're 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 they're, they're 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 seeing adults grow uh, in a very uh, in a very trying times in certain areas. Yes. So so
1: well, that's interesting. And you know, in the family dynamics, of course, we've always had lots of generations. But it's different when we talk about it from the workforce standpoint, because you really, literally, could have the Silent Generation and the Homelander all sort of there. Yeah, you, <laughs> yeah.
2: The Homelanders aren't quite there yet, but but well, uh, anymore we've
1: got all these young entrepreneurs. Yeah, right? that's true. So, that's, you know. Yeah, yeah. Let's
2: start businesses <laughs> at nine years old. Sure, yeah. why not?
1: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's quite interesting and fun to talk about but certainly from the personality the workforce all of that there is certainly differences in how each generation communicates or doesn't communicate right and so in your study of all of this i mean what what prompted you to even really start talking about it
2: Well, I got interested in this uh, around actually the 2008 financial crisis as I started to look at uh, history and uh, and a couple of historians that I followed – uh they um, uh, they actually wrote a book uh, called the Fourth Turning and they wrote this in 1997. they talked about the cycles of history and that you can look at American history and even European history as far back as 500 years and we go really in uh, pretty clearly 80 year cycles of history. And so 80 years is, is a battle along human life. So if you look at um, and those 80 years are broken up into four 20 year seasons spring, summer fall and winter, winter being the crisis season. So if you look at American history, you have Revolutionary War, 80 years after that, Civil War, 80 years after that, Depression, World War II, 80 years after that is today. And and, in those cycles of history, when generations are raised, what season they're raised in has an impact on them for the rest of their lives. So for instance, the GI generation were raised to be a very collaborative group and they went and helped fight and win World War II, came back and, and made America into an industrial powerhouse. You need a very collaborative group to do that. And if you look at even how the the the, uh, the GI generation when they had the presidency, um, they were a very collaborative group. You had Ronald Reagan, conservative Republican, Tip O'Neill, liberal Democrat from Massachusetts, that was Speaker of the House. But they got along in the sense of they got things done. They disagreed, but in the at the end of the day, they got things done. Enter the baby boomers, Clinton and Gingrich, and we've had this butting heads ever since. That's the generational archetype, how the how these generations are were affected by history as they grew up.
1: Yeah, and I read a book, and I was trying to find it in my library before we got onto the show, but I couldn't. But it was talking about kind of those same lines of— looking at the movies, the music, kind of the cultural side of each one of these generations and those influencers on how those distinct generations see the world, feel the world, and experience the world.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Have a huge impact. In fact, there's an interesting story of um, uh, when Easy Rider came out for the movie studios was a huge change from that was the movie that changed and then, and then the boomers took over Hollywood once Easy Rider came out because the previous generation Silent Generation ran it before that and so it, it, but then they realized this is a sea change so you go through that and there are just certain moments in history
1: this is Sherry Hill. You're listening to the Sherry Hill show with guest, Mike Brooks, who is the founder of Genx Bridge. And we're talking about the different generations. We have six currently in the United States and around the globe, and how that's really affecting us all as human beings, for that matter, because we have people that want to collaborate, and then we have those that don't. Right? Because that's their generation.
2: Right. Right. Exactly.
1: (laughs) Those that want to party and those that don't. (laughs) Yeah, so it's just kind of fascinating. And again, when you you know, like you said, you you chunked it down into these eighty year segments. And right now, which, where are we at in that?
2: Well, if you look at it, <laughs> if you look at it, you know, so we are in winter, and winter is where really big changes happen in society. So you now think about it: revolutionary war, civil war, depression. You, we it, it's where the generations come together and decide what do we want society to look like when we come out of winter. So we will get to spring again, but but what do we want it to look like? And that's really um, going to be up to, by and large, Gen X and the millennials working together over the So if you look at winter starting, they've really pretty clearly started by the historians uh, um, uh, who, who have studied this um, 2008 financial crisis. And they last about 20 years. So we're 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 in the first half of winter still, mm-hmm. um, and so if you look around the globe and you see a lot of this stuff going on, a lot. I mean, there's just a lot of things, like big things we're dealing with. And that's winter. But the message there is, hey, we've been here before. Um, the you know America has been through this and and actually comes through it great each time. Um, but it depends on our leadership and what each generation does and contributes to it. So it, it's an interesting time.
1: Well, and then you add on top of that the diversity, right? So it's not just generationally, but we are experiencing a time when more cultures are landing here, right? <laughs> yes.
2: Oh, absolutely. So if you look, if if you look at um, um, uh, minority representation within each generation, for the for the um, uh, Silent Generation, it was single digits, nine percent minorities, um, uh, and then it grew through the um, Boomers, and then through Gen X. Gen X is is, is in the teens, about sixteen percent. Millennials, it's forty percent. Um, so our kids are growing up with a very multi multicultural generation which to them is totally normal they don't right. know they know no different um, they also know change they, they they know nothing other than change 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 and so the speed of, of of everything to them doesn't seem as fast as it might seem to these to the older generations and that's a very big difference
1: well and it's interesting because I have a twenty year old daughter she's a millennial right mm-hmm. and I'm a baby yep, boomer yep, exactly and so In her mind, I find it very interesting because it's like everything she wants to do, she wants to do right now. Yes. There's no I don't want to wait i I want to do yeah. it now
2: they have grown up they, and they have grown up in a time of absolute abundance they have known material wealth throughout their lives you know I. I it, funny story we, we uh, used to live in San Diego and and we bought a house from the original owner my wife and I and we had we had two kids and, and and had another one when we lived in the house and and bought it from the original owner they raised four kids there and I bought it from the the daughter and 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 when we lived when we moved in and, and, and they were living there with our three little kids in and, and, and it was a tiny 1,352 square foot house. I'm like, how did they possibly raise a family here? And it occurred to me finally, they didn't have very much stuff. When you were growing up in the 60s, you didn't have a lot of stuff. You had a bike and you had a baseball glove and that was pretty much it. Well, now our kids have grown up with stuff, stuff, stuff. And so it's a different generation. And so that's part of my message and all the generational stuff is that is to understand and appreciate the history of each generation, what they've been through, what what their childhood was like, particularly because it's such a big impact for the rest of their lives. And not to judge and say, oh, well, look at these. These are trophy kids, you know, because they got a trophy for everything. Well, I don't remember any group of seven-year-olds saying, well, I'm not playing soccer unless I get a trophy at the end of the season. It was the adults. Right. So I look at it, yeah. <laughs> right. so, so when, I, when I hear the criticisms about, about, the, about the younger generation, I say, well, who raised them? We did. But also, if I hear criticism from the younger generation, actually, you don't hear it that much from the millennials to, towards the older ones, but sometimes you will. But boomers were also going through really tough version 1.0, globalization. It used to be job for life. Boomers were the first generation. Really had to deal with the fact that it wasn't going to be job for life. Um, they had to deal with a um, uh, technology. You know, technology started started changing so fast, and the boomers were the first generation to really have to deal with PCs and everything like that coming oh, yeah? online. Thank you. Yeah. So, so no. So, and hey, virtual and and dude. but yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, remember those? Oh. Good Lord. <laughs> yeah. So anyhow, so it's really an appreciation to understand and appreciate the other generation where they come from, their history, and that's the first step towards the the generations working together well all
1: right well that's what we're going to pick up when we come back is how do we work together this is sherry hill and i have mike brooks founder of gen x
3: bridge this is Erin machet from encompass consulting you're listening to the sherry hill show sherry hill is important to me because she provides the valuable knowledge necessary for business owners to thrive thank you sherry Do you have a small business, or are you planning to start one? Don't miss Nevada's largest business, the Small Business Expo, on September 18th. Get access to the tools you need to make your business thrive. NCET's free Small Business Expo will help you find the products, services, and help you need. Meet more than 100 exhibitors offering accounting, marketing, banking, printing, and more. Drop in for eight educational sessions for tips on financing, legal issues, and low-cost, high-impact marketing. The NCET Expo offers world-class networking with over 1,000 small business owners and aspiring business owners in attendance. Mark your calendar for Friday, September 18th from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. at The Atlantis for the Small Business Expo hosted by NCET. This event is free and open to the public. Information is available online at ncetxpo.org or call 775 453 0130.
1: The talent war is heating up. Unemployment is dropping to multi year lows. Baby boomers are retiring at a faster rate. Gen X is too small to replace boomers one for one. Millennials now make a majority of the workforce and are often motivated by very different things than previous generations. All of these combine to make retaining and attracting quality employees increasingly difficult. As competition accelerates, more decisions need to be pushed down within the organization, making talented employees more important than ever. Employee churn is costly, not only to find and train replacements, but also due to lost opportunities caused by inadequate or incorrect staffing. To say nothing of the impact on morale. What's a business leader to do? Well, let's ask my guest, Mike Brooks, founder of Gen X Bridge, who came to understand the role of Gen X as the bridge generation after more than 20 years in IT-focused organizations. He worked directly for Boomer CEOs and was the direct report of late-wave Gen X and millennials. Eventually, Mike realized that a major part of his job was to keep him, the CEO, away from them, the millennials. They just did not understand each other, but Mike understood and worked well with both. Welcome, Mike.
2: Thanks for having me. I love talking about the generational stuff and hope uh, I can add some value here to our listeners.
1: Let's talk about the talent war. And I was just down in San Ramon speaking at a big event, and it wasn't amazement, but it was just refreshing to be in a room full of lots of Indians from India. Asians, blacks, whites, young, old, people of all this diversity, all in this room for a common, you know, we were down there for a real estate investing uh, event, and I was one of the speakers, but you forget, because I'm sitting in Reno, and when I go to places, I see lots of older White-haired, maybe men, maybe women, and that's what we call diversity.
2: <laughs> well, I think Reno is going to be in for some big changes here. With um, uh, the predictions from Edon, which Edon saying that we're we're going to add fifty-one thousand or more. Jobs in the next four to five years, Reno's going to have to be able to attract all those various uh, constituencies uh, here because there're just simply not enough people here, and we've got to spread the net very wide in terms of um, uh, attracting people to fill the positions and so I think we're going uh, we're going to pull from various areas and, and the various generational um, uh, influences uh, on on organizations are going to impact the ability of organizations to actually be able to thrive in this coming uh, environment.
1: Well, if you know, if I'm someone who's owned a business for any length of time, and I have a certain way of doing business, and now whether I'm a baby boomer or I'm the silent generation, or even the Gen X generation, who are now old enough to be CEOs of their own companies. I mean, how do I adapt or adopt or really make the environment something that people want to work for?
2: Well, it's going to be a long. It's going to be a longer-term process, and that's one of the uh, um, that that's one of the messages uh, is that companies need to start taking this seriously now and start working on. And what I would suggest is the first place to work is, uh, or focus on is worker retention. Uh, identify your best employees, the ones who really you really don't want to lose. Uh, quick aside, I, I ran a company of about thirty-five people at one point, and uh, if if you had listed the the the, the three people i did not not want to lose uh, one of the guys who was in that on that on that three person list came in and quit and i felt like crying and then i felt like throwing up yeah. i tell you it's a horrible <laughs> feeling so you don't you so you want to identify those people uh, who you who you do not want to lose cannot lose and start to work on um, really what I have a process on that I call universal human needs understanding their needs and this is kind of a, a Dan pink talks about it in drive where he talks about the uh, mastery autonomy and purpose um, these are all derivatives of uh, and there's various other people who talk about this it's all derivatives really of Maslow's hierarchy uh, and in identifying which needs people have how they meet them and then see how you're doing as an Organization on meeting those people's needs, and and that's that's really the reason why people leave or stay at an organization is not so much culture or you know a lot of times they say it's it's your manager. Um, Well, if your manager is a great person, you really like them, uh, you know, personally and that sort of thing, but they're not able to meet your needs. Uh, it, within the organization, you'll still leave. And, th- and think about companies with great cultures. I'm sure there's somebody who works for Southwest right now who's leaving the company. Um, because, and, the, and it's not because they don't have a great culture, but it's just not meeting their needs any longer. And, and that's really the basis of it.
1: Right. And, and that's one of the things you do. You're a consultant, coach. You go into organizations to really help them start to think about these different generations within the workforce and how we can all play well
2: together. Right. And the, and that's the thing about the generation. So we all have the same needs. And that's what's beautiful about this. We actually, literally all 7 billion of us on this planet have the same basic needs. How we meet those needs and how we prioritize those needs are different. And that's what you need to find out. But um, uh, if you look at the generations, um, for instance, millennials meet their needs in somewhat different ways than a Gen X or than a Boomer. Typically, will um, one thing for millennials? It's often that's often pinpointed. And it is correct? Is they have a need for contribution. Um, it, work is not just work for them. Whereas for boomers, work was often work. It was it was a paycheck and it was a nine to five, and you you know and you you did what you were expected to do, and that's just what it is. Um, millennials want deeper meaning out of what they do as well, and so they have a real sense of contribution that they want to they want to know that they're they're adding something to the world by what they're doing. And that's a big change for people who have been running companies in, 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 in the old fashion and, and to actually make that sort of change and, and appeal to the millennials. So
1: like the hierarchical layers of management, which again, when you think of the size of these companies that, you know, we are being told are coming here or, and are here, um, you know, are they just, are they building them with, you know, here's top division and everybody else, or are they thinking about all of this? What do you see? Well,
2: it, it, it's really early to tell on what's coming to Reno, but I think that most of the companies that are coming are have a have a newer, um, uh, what I would say is kind of a Zappos um, sort of mentality towards building the organization and attracting the millennials because they realize that that's, that that's what they need. I, I really look at, if, if you're talking about the millennials, and and, and looking at business, there's really three Kind of things that that have that that really pinpoint what the change is. So one one is Glassdoor, uh, another is LinkedIn, and the third I would say is Zappos. So Glassdoor lets any anybody go in and look inside a company and 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 see what, what's that company like, what's the culture like. Because if you're not familiar with Glassdoor, it allows employees or anybody to go in and rate a company and say, well, this is what's going on in there. And the company has no ability to impact that. Glassdoor will not change reviews for that company. So good, bad, or indifferent, it's unfiltered, but but can give you a real feeling for what that's like. Uh, Secondly is LinkedIn. So LinkedIn lets let you as an employee uh, of a company, you can get in touch with just about anybody you really set your mind to. And that's different. That's different than it used to be. So you can reach up very high in other organizations, see what's going on, figure out who you need to meet. Um, and you're probably just a couple or three people away from pretty much anybody you really want to meet. And the third one, and I think this really um, goes towards the how, how to think about millennials on this, is, is Zappos. Um, because Zappos now has... As a model where they are they're going to a model of no hierarchy no managers no titles and part of what's interesting to me about this is the 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 degree that they empower their workers and and in the past you've had lots of this of you know microsoft or google or facebook very you know very you know um, um well known that they treat their workers very very well but those workers are by and large engineers. They're technical people who are really in demand and it's almost forced those companies to do it. But Zappos is doing this for customer service people. So now millennials look at that and say, oh, even if I'm not super technical, I can work for an organization that's going to value value me, empower me, and, and, and really give me self-management. That's a game changer. I mean, if Zappos pulls this off and does this. And even if they fail, they're going to move the ball along. Um, this, is, this is what's coming for organizations.
1: This is Sherry Hill with special guest Mike Brooks, who is the founder of Gen X Bridge. Certainly the great recession that we just came through, I was doing a lot of speaking and helping out at ProNet. And what I saw was that whole uh, management side of people who are out of work. Right? Mm-hmm. And they were trying to go back into management positions. And my feeling was, you know what, a lot of those, they're not coming back.
2: Right, right. That's the thing. This really hierarchical, the hierarchical model worked. Great for us for seventy years, um, and uh, and got us you know a lot of material wealth. But the problem with the hierarchical in this day and age, among others, and the biggest problem that I see for it is it's just too slow. By the time that it get that that the problems and the ideas filter up to the top six or seven people who are making the decision, it's too late. The market's already acted. There's already competitors out there that that are going to take advantage of it um, and, and beat you to the punch. And that's what happened. That's what happened to Kodak. That's what happened to Blockbuster. You know, they saw the future. They they knew these things were going to happen. Blockbuster knew that digital distribution of, of, of videos made more sense than going and picking up a cassette, but they just couldn't do it. They couldn't get there fast enough. And Netflix beat them. Yeah. Annihilated them, <laughs> yeah. actually. <laughs>
1: And again, for even small companies, as you're, you know, going in and helping them understand how do you prepare for this next generation of workforce, but what are you doing today? Because even as someone, you know, who's lived through all of that hierarchy, didn't do too well with it, uh, formed my own companies, and now I'm the, you know, top, Mm -hmm. but there's only a few of us. So I don't think like that. I mean, I'm very collaborative and I want input and I want all of us to feel like we're making the contribution together and we win together, we lose together, we do all of that. But, you know, that's an oddity.
2: Uh, Yeah, well, you know, smaller organizations typically... and. And particularly ones that are starting today very much have this in mind. But it's, it's, the, the question is, how do you scale it? How do you keep that even as you grow the company? And that's what's so interesting about apples 2,000 people where they're doing it. I mean, there are companies that have done this. It's actually just not as well known throughout the, uh, uh, the industry. Gore-Tex is a oh, great example. I was going to
1: say, yeah, they Gore- were one of the front. Very yeah. first
2: ones have done this. I mean, a fantastic job for 50 years. So this isn't some you know, flavor of the month sort of idea. This, is, this, this has been executed for for decades by companies like Gore and 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 it and it works and it really um to attract those top millennials um they're not looking at at they don't look at um, job security, they're interested in career security. So part of the way they create that career security is they'll look and say, okay, I need to learn this particular technology. And they'll go to find a company and they'll say, okay, and they'll spend two or three years there. And, and that company treats them great and, and everything, but they still leave because they look and say, okay, now I need to learn this new technology that's come out. or, or and, and they keep doing that hopping around from organization to organization. And, and by doing that, they're creating, again, the career security security that 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 the lifetime employment is gone and so that doesn't exist anymore in america so they're creating their own lifetime employment
1: this is sherry hill i'm speaking with mike brooks founder of gen x bridge and we have to go to break but we come back i want to learn more about all this really good stuff with the different generations
3: this is karen ViBe, portfolio management director at morgan stanley you are listening to the sherry hill show Sherry Hill is important to me because she is the most friendly, wonderful, passionate woman that I know that will help you set up your business and help you in so many ways. Thank you, Sherry.
4: Sage International Incorporated sparks and fuels the entrepreneurial spirit by providing the strategies, information, education, tools, resources, and ongoing support services that will lay a solid foundation under a business owner's dream. If you're thinking of starting a business and you're not sure where to begin, Sage International Incorporated offers a free 30-minute consultation. Call 1-800-254-5779. That's 1-800-254-5779. Or visit sageintl.com.
1: Businesses today must clarify who they are, what they do, and why they do it in order to attract and maintain the enormously influential millennial customer and employee base. Additionally, the millennial workforce is a generation compelled to be part of something greater than themselves, to contribute and impact those around them and their world. This means that organizations striving for a long-term advantage will view defining the values of their organization as a key element of their ongoing sustainability. Mike Brooks, my guest today, is founder of GenX Bridge. He brings a bold perspective and innovative set of deliverables to individuals and organizations that want to create long-term competitive advantage. With over two decades of experience in organizational leadership, Mike's unique genius is synthesizing future trends with corporate needs and the demands of the marketplace. Mike (laughs) Great. Thanks for
2: having me. Excited to talk about uh, where we are and where we're headed.
1: So let's just talk about that. You know, a huge influencer now in organizations, whether in the nonprofit or the for-profit world, is the why behind what it is that we do.
2: Oh yeah, right. No, no, no. Longer does the uh, does the phrase uh, "all I care about is shareholder value" uh, does that work for the millennial generation? And quite frankly, it didn't really work for Gen X by and large. But uh, it was the mantra of the day, and I, rem- I, I remember I had two CEOs who verbatim said that to me, and I remember thinking, really, you don't care about the employees, you don't care about you know the, the customer, the <laughs> environment, <laughs> I, and, and really, and 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 really, and it took me, I, I'm. I'm a little slow on some things and it took me a while to realize each of them was the largest shareholder. Oh, okay. Got it. So, so no, it's a, um, uh, I think that that whole, um, uh, need to, to, to be contributing to something bigger really, really is important and drives the millennials uh, because they see a lot of issues around. I mean, they see you know environmental issues and and what happens if we are not good stewards of of, uh, of the environment or of business and that sort of thing and and the pain that can cause. So it's it's very important to them.
1: Yeah, well, I see it because the whole advent of the benefit corporation and the transparency, and everybody's telling you everything that they're a uh, Facebook, very transparent. Now I know everything. Well, and that's <laughs> a,
2: and that's an interesting that's an interesting piece because I, in fact, I, I came across it last week. I was looking at a company and checking out the CEO uh, uh, and the president on LinkedIn and saw that they had just the the standard icon that comes, no picture, and talk, and, and just had the company that they were at. And from a millennial perspective, if you are looking at an organization and considering whether they work for them, because you've lived a very transparent life, you've put everything on, you know, either it's Facebook, or it's Instagram, or Twitter, or Snapchat, or whatever, you're using these, and you are putting yourself out there constantly. And to a millennial that's just normal that's just what you do so to see a, a leader of an organization not be apparently willing to share that's a real red flag for millennials and that's something that that organizations need to think about is how they're putting forward on things like you know CEOs, in my view, don't need to be on Facebook because most millennials, in fact, all three of my millennials, uh, I have 18, 16, and, and, and 12-year-olds, none of them use Facebook any longer. Um, uh, they, they've they moved on past Facebook. Instagram and Snapchat are the big ones for them. But um, they will expect, when they go look at a company, for the leaders of that company to be sh- telling who they are and showing who they are on on an appropriate social media site, which would be, at this point, LinkedIn.
1: Right. But also, what does the company stand for What are we doing? What are their values? And that's what
2: they were going to want to see. They're going to want to see they'll look on the on on the leaders of the company, they'll look at what on their personal, what are they contributing their time to? What sort of charities, you know, what sort of um, um, nonprofit boards are on, stuff like that will be very important for millennials when they consider an organization.
1: Yeah. And and I guess that's what's kind of fascinating today is because they have literally forced, right? Mm-hmm companies to embrace social media right oh, yeah. i mean i can remember when all this started coming out it was like what what are we supposed to be doing oh i'm supposed to be building facebook and these fabulous interactive websites and i'm supposed to give you all my knowledge and all this stuff and in some respects it was great in others it really it was hard because we didn't grow up with technology I don't know
2: mm-hmm. you know
1: and oh. now I had to go hire all these kids or people
2: right right oh yeah and that's still and and, and that is that is that is going to continue technology as fast as it's moving uh, who knows what what is going to be the hot technology two three four years from now so for companies um, yeah you, you, you need to in order to reach out the, to the Millennials you need to have a Millennials as part of your staff and, and really um, taking a lead on a lot of that because they know what they're paying attention to. Um, and uh, and it'll take us uh, a few years to figure that out.
1: Well, and, and what industries, I mean, this is affecting every industry. I mean, people, the way they shop, the way they think, the way they consume. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if we're basing on these next generations coming up, and if you want to be in business, these are your Customers, these are your vendors, sure. your suppliers, your employees, even your son or daughter-in-law. <laughs>
2: sure, uh, so so. Uh, in fact, in, in fact, uh, you know, along the lines of uh, um, uh, being a, a customer. Last night, my twelve-year-old told my wife my twelve-year-old wanted to go buy some stuff from Abercrombie. Abercrombie uh, and so she had gone online, had saved a bunch of things in the shopping cart, and told my wife, "Well, I saved in the shopping cart, so we can look at them later." So she didn't say. Hey mom, I need you to take me to the mall. I need to look at this. No, she went and did it all on her own, figured out what she wanted, and 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 is waiting there to do it. (laughs) Get the credit card. (laughs) That's how it works. That's how it works today, and that and that's where we're headed.
1: Yeah. So quite interesting. So, Mike, from a a perspective of you are brought into organizations because you were that, as you said, your company, Gen X Bridge, Mm -hmm. where you worked for the older generation, the baby boomer, the GI here you are, now you're dealing with the young, you were that middle person that that had to keep peace, shall mm-hmm. we say right
2: sure sure, sure. It went, went, exactly when the CEO came in and wanted to take away all their phones because all they were doing was texting all day, and I had to explain, if we fire this group and, and do that and fire this group, the next group's going to insist on having their phones, so it's just who they are it's managing the outcome, not not actually how they do it so much, right because they actually do that they're actually very creative about stuff like that too. I know that when I ran a technical group, uh, a lot of our technical guys, they would actually be texting their buddies who worked at other companies who had the same sort of issue to find out how they could fix what we were dealing with. So, I mean, it was a great free resource for us to be able to do that, essentially, and, and the CEO missed that.
1: This is Sherry Hill. You're listening to The Sherry Hill Show with guest Mike Brooks, founder of Gen X Bridge. Is it because the CEO was not communicating directly with that employee? So the assumption, I'm sitting in my office and you know I have these metrics and measurements and outcomes that I expect, and I look out and I see this kid mm-hmm. on his phone and my assumption is they're playing around on what is those games, right? right exactly,
2: yeah. they're texting each other just for fun or whatever exactly
1: meeting at the
2: bar after right 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 exactly and it's it's just they use technology in really innovative ways business is not so confined as it used to be it used to be you got the workers to the building where the computers were well now the computers are everywhere The workers can be anywhere uh, and 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 so it's a, it really changes it but they they can be working when they're out of your site and my point was always hey they could be sitting right in front of you and they're not working anyhow it depending on what website they're on so right. it doesn't really matter whether they're in your building or not
1: right and and so we've kind of go back to what I was leading in with the values of organizations and a lot of of and, and it's not, I don't, I don't even want to put it to millennials anymore because I, I teach this is lifestyle. We want to have a great time in life, we only have so much time, and I am not going to give 50, 60, 70 hours of my life every week to my job. Mm -hmm. even though I own the business because I have a different mindset. And this is what I teach people starting businesses. These kids and younger generation, they're going in with that expectation. You don't get to buy all my time.
2: Right, right. And part of that really is 1980s when we talked about a little bit with globalization and that whole lifetime uh, um, guarantee of employment went away. And that w- that's really a game changer that I see that America, American business is still struggling with. That's why we have 70%. So if Gallup's latest poll, 70% of American workers are either disengaged or actively disengaged. So I can't imagine. So that actively disengaged is, is I believe it's 12% of the workforce. Those are people who are Actually working against your interests. So I can't imagine a worse ROI than paying somebody to work against my interests. And so that, and so um, the fact that we have seventy percent disengaged within within, uh, uh, within the workforce um, really says that that structure that w- that worked so well for so long. There's something that is broken, and, w- and we need to address it. And that's what I'm talking about. So the, the hierarchical model really did work when there was lifetime employment, um, but once that went away um, the the workers were meeting none of their other needs they were meeting their need for certainty when you had a lifetime guarantee of employment but they're not meeting their need for variety because it's hey just pull this lever for eight hours a day um, you know so they're not meeting any sort of variety there's no significance there there's very little connection with your other workers and in terms of you know any sort of growth or contribution the other the other two needs that we have there's really not a lot there but what you had at a 10 was was you had financial security Security. You're going to be able to raise your family. You're going to be able to put a roof over their head. You're going to be able to send your kids to college, and you're going to have a retirement. You're going to have a pension, and that was good enough for workers. That and that's what got us up to the 1980s. But that all went away. So that that guarantee, that certainty, goes away, and now we're left with meeting none of the other needs. And so no wonder you have 70 percent disengaged. And that's what American business is trying to struggle to understand: What do we do in order to engage the workers? And my my solution is meet their needs.
1: Right. Well, but now when you think of technology, and again, I'm going to go back to, you know, Tesla and all the stuff coming, and, you know, it's a higher level of of technical skills being re- created, but I just have this vision in my mind. I know Panasonic, it's all robotics, right? Mm-hmm, so now mm-hmm. through the education system, we got to create a bunch of people that know how to work on robots, Right. right, right. Which sounds interesting and very cool, but also at the same time— you know, what are the opportunities out there for not to create a whole nother wave of robots called employees?
2: Mm-hmm. Well, it, well, and that and that, and that and that's the challenge. That's, that's what's going to be so interesting about these next 20, 30 years, I believe, is that we, so we, we went by default with this hierarchical model and you had the very few, like we talked about Gore, um, you know, Zappos is doing it, very few instances of doing it in a different way at a bigger scale. Well, I think over the next 20, 30 years, that's the challenge for businesses how do you build those businesses so that so that they are interesting they do attract people uh and 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 keep people engaged uh on the law for the long term and keep them as employees because that's the challenge of how do you keep them around well you got to keep them engaged keep meeting their needs and there's a whole it's going to be a very interesting dynamic that that the companies that figure it out are going to do fantastically well, and the ones that don't adapt to this, it, I, I will tell you, it's like an asteroid's hitting or coming, and and the dinosaurs are going to die.
1: Well, I think it's going to be way more challenging, personally, because if these kids, these young populations they want to be so engaged and so innovative and so creative, and I want you to go over there and do nothing but you know make the arm of the robot go up and down – we're gonna <laughs> it's we're
2: going to see. It's going to be. Yeah. And, and a big part of that is what is, is talking about the why, you know, why and put it in a bigger context. If they understand the bigger context of what they're contributing to, uh, you know, they're not opposed to doing things that are, you know, mundane and that sort of thing as part of what they're doing. But because they're not going to be there for 20 years, they're not willing to spend seven years in a cubicle never to be asked an opinion because they know in year eight they get asked an opinion. Well, they're not going to be there. Those are the tectonic plates that are moving against one another
1: we come back, I'm going to pick up with Mike Brooks, founder of Gen X Bridge.
4: Sage International Incorporated sparks and fuels the entrepreneurial spirit by providing the strategies, information, education, tools, resources, and ongoing support services that will lay a solid foundation under a business owner's dream. If you're thinking of starting a business and you're not sure where to begin, sage international incorporated offers a free 30-minute consultation call 1-800-254-5779 that's 1-800-254-5779 or visit sageintl.com
2: this is mike brooks founder of gen x bridge winning the talent war for good you are listening to the sherry hill show sherry hill is important to me because she is a leader in the reno business community Sherry Hill is smart and fun. Thank you, Sherry.
0: Welcome back to the Sherry Hill Show, doing everything possible to spark and fuel your entrepreneurial dreams. Now, here's your host, Sherry Hill.
1: Great conversation with Mike Brooks, founder of Gen X Bridge, who is a Consultant, a coach, someone that really goes into organizations to really help them understand the defining generations within an organization and how we can all work well together. Mike, as I'm sitting here and listening to all this and going, do I have to change? I mean, if I'm the leader of an organization and I've got all these young kids coming in, am I, am I the one that has to change?
2: Thanks for having me first. And yeah, and thanks for the question because that is actually a big part of the solution on this is to get actually the leaders of the organization, the boomers who maybe have been doing this the business their way for a long time and they don't want to change. It. And, and I get that. So here's the message is you don't actually have to change because that's actually up to Gen X and the millennials to really implement the changes that I'm talking about. Now there is an understanding and a, in a cooperation and maybe a uh, releasing of some control that you have uh, typically had over the organization or or over employees, but understanding the bigger picture and where we're headed um, I think helps to assuage those fears. So it really becomes uh, kind of a a period more of of, a legacy and liquidity liquidity for a lot of the uh, a lot of the leaders of these organizations um, and maybe it's a little sooner than they, than they had anticipated but they see with the change of technology and organizational dynamics and within Reno with these big changes we have of these organizations coming in and the competition for the employees it's going to drive that change even faster within Reno than even uh, uh, maybe a, a, a less uh, dynamic community.
1: Do you find that as you work with business leaders and organizations that they're tired? What do I got to learn now? I had to learn all about technology. I had to learn how to use a computer. Then I had to learn about social media. Now
2: it's all across the board. Some absolutely eat it up. And that's part of my message on all the generational stuff. When I talk about generations, it's not like every single person in this generation is exactly like this. Of course not. When I talk about generations, they would recognize the overall um, uh, description of their generation, even if that's not them. They would say, "Yeah, that's like most of the people of my generation." So, but you find all ranges within business owners where some love this and they're ready. They, they're like, "Oh, this is what I've been thinking for years and wanted to try this sort of thing." Where others are like, "You know what?" I'm done. Been there, done that. You know, I want to basically get over the finish line. So it comes in all flavors and kind of all degrees as well. And and that's the nice thing about it is that depending on their willingness, their attitude, their desire to get involved in that, they can be as involved or as uninvolved as they choose to be.
1: Relevancy. I mean, when you think of industries that as the technology continues to escalate. And some of these entire industries will have no relevance. So if you're in one of those, then I'm guessing that you're kind of tired, because how do I reinvent myself? How do I keep doing this over and over again? Versus if you're a brand new in that technology, I mean, you have endless opportunity out there.
2: And you have a lot of the new technologies. I haven't talked to anybody at GM, but I got to imagine they look at Tesla sometimes. And granted, Tesla's small and everything, but they look at them like, oh, we don't want to try, to try to compete with that new car that they designed. But the younger people at, G, at, at, at GM, oh yeah, they want to compete. So there really is a, um, uh, an opportunity here and really kind of a changing of the guard and generations that's happening, in my view, and, and the indications are it's starting to accelerate right now.
1: Everything is obsolete within, I mean, it's not even 10 years now. It could be two years.
2: <laughs> change, yeah, the pace of change, and it is picking up. And that's one of the, the, the nice things about all the work that I do in terms of the universal human needs, and because our needs don't actually change. In this world of constant change and, and things moving faster and faster and faster, the needs that we have as human beings, we've had for millennia, and, and, and we will have into the future. Something that's actually foundational, that actually gives some sort of comfort for people once they understand it and say, okay, around all this change, I can now put it into a context that makes sense for me personally.
1: And your work with the leaders of organizations, that's got to be one of the first questions that you have to identify is, are you still passionate about what you're doing? Do you still want to play? Because guess what? Change is a coming.
2: Part of what I do there is tell the story of what the future looks like, how it's going to impact, how these changes, these organizational uh, uh, um, uh, dynamics, are going to impact their industry, uh, uh, businesses overall, and do they, and, and, and over what sort of time frame, and how long this is going to take to play out, and do they want to be part of that or not?
1: Yeah. Well, I have a crystal ball here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I know yeah. you looked in yeah, it. Yeah,
2: right, right. <laughs> it's a yeah. It it is it is uh, it is hard to tell. We are we are definitely in very uncharted territories uh, where we're headed here. Um, but um, it's uh, it's going to be a, a time of, of of massive change. I see.
1: Well, and it's interesting because you mentioned the last generation that we're talking about is homeland. The homeland generation who grew up with. Like you said, homeland security and, you know, global, what's going on around the world. And instantly, you know, they know if there's a war going to erupt in the Koreas, right, Mm -hmm. type of stuff. And so – it's probably I look at it as a positive because if any generation is going to rip that bomb out of Iran's hand, it's probably them.
2: <laughs> well, that that is that is going to be one of the challenges. I mean, the, the whole global um, it, it's a smaller and smaller world, uh, and so we're going to see how and technology is creating that. So it's it's I mean it's interesting, my my millennial kids went to a camp uh, with kids from throughout the world, and now they're on social media with them. Uh, you wouldn't know, you know, whether they're in the next city or literally, you know, in Australia, right. um, and, and they're communicating. And it really has made things smaller.
1: Yeah. This is Sherry Hill. You're listening to the Sherry Hill Show with guest Mike Brooks, founder of Gen X Bridge. And, you know, it's just, it's a fun conversation. And I know for, you know, quite a while, people didn't want to have the conversation or admit that there were these different generations and that workforce had to adapt and all that. But I think we're kind of over all of that because we have to be. Mm -hmm. And anyone that's baby boomer and up, of course, is looking at this wave of employees coming in who are savvy, technical, innovative, love creativity, want to have great lifestyle, value what a company stands for, right? It's Mm -hmm. not about the Mm -hmm. widget. It's the why behind it. Right. And so, what great
2: opportunity do you see it as? Great, op- I see it oh, as great opportunity. Oh, 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 sure, sure. The companies that the the companies that that, that figure this out uh, and attract the the employees that they want. And it's one thing that that I always see where they talk about you know we have to have the best employees, the greatest employees. You know that our organization. My view is no, you, you don't. You need to have your best employees, your greatest employee. One of the reasons Zappos moved from the Bay Area to Vegas is because they didn't want to compete at the at the the price that they were having to pay, but they didn't need to compete with all those engineers. It's not who they needed; they need customer service people. So you need to find your greatest employee that who fits your, who's in your tribe, who gets what your why is, who meets their needs the way that your organization meets uh, the needs for employees. So it's not necessarily going, and it's actually I like it because it's not going after that same pool of people and saying those are the best and that's all we want. You go find who yours are and it really it it empowers people to find organizations that are going to fit themselves.
1: One of the biggest fears here in the north is that if I'm out in one of the rurals and I have I'm in manufacturing whatever and all of a sudden here comes the Tesla and all these fantastic, mm-hmm. you know, highly innovated companies that i'm going to lose my workforce Mm -hmm. so what would you say to people that you know we've been here a long time Mm -hmm. taking care of our employees believing in what we're doing but now we have this thing called i can potentially lose my workforce tomorrow
2: sure and this is a very real threat and and companies will come absolutely there there are companies that will lose those key people because that's all that tesla wants they only want your best yeah. um and 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 if and if tesla doesn't take your best employee they're taking your competitor's best employee and who's your competitor going to look to to find the replacement is yours right. so this is going to be a whole domino cascading thing so what a the, the, couple of things there one is and, and again refer to dan pink in, in drive where he talks about you've got mastery autonomy and purpose but the first thing is you got to take money off the table um not that they have to be the highest paid, not that they have to, you know, it's going to make them rich or anything like that, but you have to be competitive and you do have to be competitive within the within the marketplace um, so that the, the employee feels like they're being treated fairly. But then beyond that, again, it's going and finding out what are their needs, what what needs do they value most, then how do they meet those needs and how is your company doing in, in meeting those needs for them at that high level. And whatever the gap is there, you got to figure out how how to fill that gap. And that's, that's what I do is I help companies figure out what can they do to help fill that gap of, of, of what the employee really wants and is trying to accomplish and and, and meeting their needs and, and, and where that you need to get them to so that they will stay. Because if, if you, if you do that, if you take, if you make the money fair and you meet their most important needs at a high level, they won't leave. Right.
1: Well, it's good. You're here. (laughs) I hope so. (laughs) (laughs) Give us your contact information.
2: (laughs) Okay. You can look look up my website, genxbridge.com. You can uh, contact me via that. Uh, And also, Mike at genxbridge.com.
1: Yeah, and I'm serious. It's good you're here. You've only been here a couple of years, but you're right on that front end. And I know business owners are concerned about that. But guess what? This might be their solution. Absolutely. All right, well, thank you, Mike, for being here. Really appreciate it. Great show, good information, and we will catch up soon.
2: Great, thanks for having me.
0: The Sherry Hill Show values the role we play in supporting the economic engine driving this country. Small business, the backbone of America. Send her a message on facebook.com slash Sherry Hill Show and tune in next week, same time, same station, for The Sherry Hill Show.